Hey there, I'm Lauren Hicks, pastor of Pacific Christian Center in Santa Maria, California. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. It's my prayer that this message strengthens your faith and draws you closer to God. Now enjoy today's message. Praise God. Well, I'm so glad I came to church today. You know, I thought about staying home, but <laughs> not really, not really. This is my favorite day of the week when I get to spend a few hours, a couple hours with you. It's my, the best day of the week for me, and I hope it is for you as well. I hope you'll come tonight. We're going to laugh tonight. You know, it's okay to laugh. The people of God should laugh. We do a lot of crying. We ought to do some laughing, right? So, but you need a ticket. We have three Christian comedians that are coming tonight for a wonderful event here at the church. $15 a person. Buy it. It's a good event to bring a friend. Maybe somebody doesn't go to, normally come to church. Uh, they're going to come. They're going to have a good time. Okay, so $15. And this is a fundraiser for us. 25% of the proceeds go to support our missions projects. So isn't that amazing? We're going to laugh and have a good time. But for a good cause, we're going to make a difference in the world through this event tonight. So low cost. We want to keep the cost low. We want everybody to come. And by the way, if you can't afford $15, you let me know. I'll buy you a ticket, okay? That's a deal, right? You're going to have, we'll have a good time uh, tonight. Um, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Moses for bringing a great word last week as we kicked off this message series. What a great word. A number of Weeks back now, months ago now, the Lord began to speak to my heart uh, about bringing a message series to you on mental and emotional health. These are real issues that we face, and yet often the church is silent about these things. I think the, the church and the scripture ought to talk to uh, how we really live and what's really going on, don't you? Uh, the church might not talk about it often, but the Bible definitely talks about it. And uh, I pray that this uh, message series is a, a help to you. And that is our prayer. And we want to tie everything to the gospel. That's my, we have three speakers for this series. Next week, um, Dr. Mike Fold, I'm excited to have him bring the word of God to you next week as we talk about depression next week. And uh, you say, well, I'm not depressed. So I don't need to come next week. No, you need to come and hear the word of God. You need to come and hear the word of God. Uh, because it's likely there are people in your life who might be depressed. And there are people in our church family, maybe some in this room today or you're watching online, you're battling depression. There's hope in the word of God. There is hope for you. And uh, I'm just grateful that the Lord speaks to us in the ways that he does. This past Friday, uh, we as a nation celebrated a great day, maybe one of our greatest holidays, and that is Veterans Day. And can I ask every veteran, if you've served in our military, United States military, would you stand to your feet right now so we can recognize you and honor you? Men and women in the room, if you have served, give them a hand. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, men and women. Thank you for serving our country. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for... Uh, fighting for the freedom, whatever role you had, whatever particular job you had, you played an important role in the protecting of the freedoms of our nation. And we know that uh, freedom doesn't come free, right? There's a price to be paid uh, for freedom. And so thank you for standing. And we want to always keep our United States military uh, in our prayers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we start scripture this morning and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today. Father, we quiet our spirit, we quieten our heart today because we want to hear your voice. We live in a loud time. We live in a time where there's so many competing voices and we are just seemingly bombarded by voices of businesses and companies and organizations and social media and friends and family. And everywhere we go, there's, there's noise. But I pray that today, Lord, you quieten our spirit so that we can hear the voice of God. I pray also, Lord, that my voice would fade away. I, I'm just a servant. There's nothing special about my words, but we want to hear your words. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would amplify your voice in our hearts and our spirits, that our ears would hear, that our minds would understand, but most of all, that our hearts would receive the word of God today. I pray that you bring hope in this room. I pray that you bring healing in this room. I pray that you bring restoration in this room today. Speak to us today. Anoint me to deliver this message, to do what I cannot do in, of myself. And I pray that you'd anoint us to listen and to hear. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you brought a Bible with you today, I'd like to invite you to turn to Psalm 139, which is a key passage for us in this message series, Psalm 139. Maybe you have a Bible, maybe you have a Bible app, with, uh, Bible app on your phone, maybe you have our church app. You'd like to turn there, Psalm 139. In just a moment, we'll read a few verses of Scripture to start off. Last week, we talked about loneliness, and if you missed last week's message, I strongly encourage you to to go home today, maybe have some time this evening, go to our church YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, you should do that now. Over 700 subscribers, and we want to encourage you to subscribe as well so you can keep up with content uh, from the church in a video format. Uh, but I want to encourage you to watch last week's message and let the Lord speak to your heart on the topic of loneliness, which is something that all of us will face from time to time in our lives, and I believe you'll find hope. But today we want to talk about anxiety. So let me ask you the question today, do you have anxiety? Do you have anxiety? Have you been anxious this week? I want you to think back over the course of the past seven days and answer the question just in your own heart today, have I been anxious? Maybe as you lay your head on the pillow at night, anxiety fills your heart. Maybe throughout the day, because of some circumstance, because of some question you have because of some concern that you have about family or friends or finance or your future that you have anxiety. I did a little soul searching this week thinking about my my own life and throughout my life to varying degrees I have battled anxiety and I'm so thankful that God has brought people in my life that have helped me with this struggle. I would say the chief of them has been my own wife. God has brought this beautiful lady on the front row into my life to help me uh, with my own anxiety. And God's brought other folks along the way. When I was growing up, I was anxious about being liked. I was anxious about fitting in. I was anxious about being good enough, anxious about making the team. And I was definitely anxious around girls, I'll tell you that right now. As an adult, I have been anxious about making enough money to support my family. I've been anxious about buying a home. I've been anxious about car problems and health issues. As a pastor, I have been anxious in the ministry. Will the church accept the new pastor? What if people don't like my preaching? What if they don't follow my leadership? What are we going to do when there's not enough money coming in the offering to support the church? Why do people leave the church? Recently, I have been anxious about the health of my parents and my mother's battle with cancer. I've been anxious about my parents as they age, and I'm 1,500 miles away. How are we going to take care of them? What are we going to do to take care of them as they, as they get older? I've been anxious about my kids growing up, and now that they are out of the house, uh, did Linda and I do it right? Will, we make, will they make the right decisions? Will they... Uh, as adults, will they continue to serve the Lord? Will they keep going to church when there's no one there to make them go to church? I've been anxious about the future of our church. Since emotional health and mental health are real issues, I think we should talk about it today. If you have battled anxiety in your life, you are not alone. In fact, take a moment and just look around the room. Would you do that for me? Would you? Just take a moment, turn your head, look around the room today. I appreciate you doing that. Everyone you just saw faces anxiety. I I am convinced at this point in my life that anxiety comes to all of us, to every one of us. No matter who you are, no matter how strong you might think you are, that different times of our lives and different seasons and to different levels and to different degrees that we face anxiety, all of us face this at different times in our lives. And some, it's a real serious issue. For some, it's life controlling. For some, it leads to mental illness and to depression and to different issues. But all of us battle it to some degree. And anxiety is a predominant form of an emotional struggle. And it is on the rise in our country. And it doesn't take much of a Google search to realize that the rates of, to learn that the rates of anxiety are climbing and skyrocketing Uh, in this country, and it really is facing the young generation. I think every generation faces it, but this young generation that is coming up now, and there are a lot of different factors as to why the younger generation is experiencing anxiety, why it's on the rise, and we'll talk about some of them. But anxiety is not a small issue. 
As we mentioned, it can lead to depression, which we'll talk about next week. But anxiety leads to isolation. It leads to indecision. It can lead to a form of paralysis in which people feel unable to move forward in their lives. And we all struggle from time to time with anxiety, and it has many symptoms in our lives. Maybe it is anxiety has caused you or kept you from uh, making friends. Maybe it has kept you from pursuing an advancement in your career. Maybe anxiety has caused you to have physical reactions like shaking or increased heart rate or shortness of breath or sweating or frustration and anger. We face it to varying degrees. This week in my discipleship Facebook group, I just asked the question, what makes you anxious? And I was so proud of the honesty of so many people who commented and gave their responses to what made them feel anxious, what caused them to feel anxious. And here's, here's just a sampling of some of the responses that people wrote uh, in the Facebook group. They said, uh, one said, waiting on test results from the doctor makes you anxious. How many of you ever felt that anxiety? I, I, know, I know I have. Um, some said that being away from family makes them anxious. Some said having concerns about their finances made them anxious. Some said they were anxious about what people might think about them or potential rejection. Some were anxious about a lack of control or the future or the unknown. A lot of different things cause us to be anxious. But there are a lot of synonyms of of the word anxiety. And you might not call it anxiety, and you may realize that, you know what, I've been battling anxiety and didn't even really realize it. But anxiety comes by other names like worry or apprehension or nervousness or concern or fear. Anxiety asks a lot of questions. These are internal questions. The questions like, what will happen? Or what will they think? Or will I be accepted? Or will I be okay? Or what if I look foolish? Or what does the future hold? These are the questions that anxiety brings. And I think especially for the younger generation, one of the things that has, is feeding this rapid growth of anxiety is social media. And there are a lot of wonderful benefits of social media. We've been able to keep up with friends and reconnect with people in our lives. And so I don't want to cast all social media out. And we use it as a ministry tool. And there's a, there are benefits to social media, but there is certainly a downside to social media. And we are now living in a time where uh, psychologists reveal to us that there is social media addiction, where people just are finding it very difficult to put their phones down. And and this idea of maybe I missed something, and so I'm constantly scrolling and constantly looking and constantly posting. And social media feeds our anxiety because it leads to comparison. Comparison. I want to remind you something about social media. Social media... What's posted on social media are people's highlight reels. Sometimes on Sunday night, I'll turn on SportsCenter to catch the highlights of the day's games. And it's fun to watch because it's the best moments of every football game. I didn't get a chance to watch all those games, but I get to see the best moments. I get to see the incredible touchdown pass, or I get to see uh, the defensive lineman breaks through and makes that incredible sack of the quarterback or the the running back or the kickoff return or whatever it is this it's the highlights of the best moments of those games and it's a it's it's a it's a fun thing to watch but when you go on instagram when you go on facebook when you're on social media it is people's highlight reels people post the best of themselves in their in these moments they post the best food that they got to eat and i get a little jealous don't you they post pictures of the places they go and the, the great friends that they're hanging out with and pictures at the beach and, and, and you know, beautiful settings and, and, or maybe a new purchase. I got this new car, so look, it is, or here it is, you know, and, and, and it's just the best moments of our life. And, and you're scrolling and you're looking at that and you're having a really crummy day. And you're comparing yourself, you're comparing your lows with their highs. And what we must always remember about social media is that it is not reality. It is not reality. You're not going to see me post on social media, Linda and I just had a horrible argument. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with that woman. I don't know how she can't see it by the way after 30 years. What am I going to do? You're not going to see that. Now, I know there are people that do that, and we think, man, you're oversharing, okay? (laughs) Uh, But generally, 
you're going to see me post a picture at Shell Beach and Linda and I at the ocean, right? You're going to, you're going to see something like that. So can't compare your lows with their highs, but certainly social media feeds into it. And social media increases FOMO, the fear of missing out. Creates feelings of inadequacy, dissatisfaction, and isolation. And if I don't get enough likes on that Facebook post, maybe I should delete that post and post another picture because why aren't people liking my post? And we chuckle in the room, but that's where people are living. This is where some of us are living. And it's creating anxiety. These feelings of anxiety negatively affect our mood. What's wrong with you? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you. But it can tie back to something as simple as this. And it can worsen our symptoms over time, leading to stress and even depression. And culturally, we're a nervous wreck and no one is immune to it. So now that we've set the stage, let's look at scripture. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse number one. The psalmist of David. You have searched me, Lord. Notice these next words. And you know me. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar, notice these words, with all my ways. He says, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying God knows us inside and out. God knows everything there is to know about us. Now, with you and I, there is, let me just pause for a second. With you and I, there is a public side to all of us and a private side to all of us. And in this room, we project and portray to one another what we want one another to see, what we want one another to know about us. But how many of you know the reality is there's a whole other side of us that we don't communicate to, to one another, and that is often our thoughts and our feelings. That is our emotional life. And the, and the psalms, psalmist is saying here, hey, there is what everybody else knows, but then there's what God knows, and God knows it all. He sees everything about us. He even knows our thoughts. He's far away and he knows our thoughts. Now down in verse 13, he says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I love that phrase, you created my inmost being. God has created our emotional life. God created us with the ability to feel God created us with the ability to laugh and to be happy and to be joyful and to get excited. God also created us with the ability to be sad, to mourn, to feel sorrow, to feel sadness, to get angry. God created us with the ability to feel those emotions. He says, you created my inmost being. And then down in verse number 23, he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Comfort that we take from these words is that God does indeed know. If people knew what would they think about me, if people really knew how I was feeling, if people really knew what I was going through, would I be accepted? Those are thoughts of anxiety. Those are anxiety-producing thoughts. But the Bible tells us that God does know, and we sang about it a moment ago, the amazing love of God. Can I remind you that he knows everything about you, and he loves you deeply. He knows when things are good, and he knows when things are bad. He knows when you're happy, and he knows when you're sad. And no matter what's going on, we still have have the love of God, everybody. Still have the love of God. The times in which David wrote this psalm, the pagans would worship idols, idols carved out of stone, sometimes idols fashioned out of gold or silver. And the pagans thought, though they made they pleaded with their idols and made sacrifices to their idols and would do extreme things like cut themselves in front of their idols begging and pleading for some intervention from these idols, they would often think that their gods were indifferent to men and women. But David knew that the true God cared enough to have searched us and known our hearts. Not only does God know the details of our lives, but he also knows our thoughts. Now that might be frightening for some of us in this room. 
That might be a scary proposition to think that God knows our thoughts, but he does know our thoughts. He knows how I feel. He knows what's going on inside. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So what can we do? That's the question this morning. Is there any hope, Pastor, from the Word of God? Is there any way that we can deal with our anxiety? Can we make it manageable? Is there healing from anxiety? Can God deliver us from our anxiety? And I believe that the answer today on the authority of Scripture is that we fight back against the anxiety that we feel. The answer is not to simply accept that anxiety is going to always be a part of my life, that it's going to control me, that's just how I am, that's how I'm wired, that's how the enemy would like you to believe today. But I believe that there is hope from Scripture, and God gives us resources and tools that we can combat the anxiety that we face and that we feel. The answer is not to give in. I do not believe that anxiety is God's will for my life. That's just what I believe. I do not believe that anxiety is God's will for my life. We can fight back. Anxiety is a form of fear. You break it down. Anxiety is a form of fear. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Did you know that God has not given you fear? Fear, when you feel fear, when you feel worry, when you feel dread, when you feel apprehension, when you feel anxiety, that those feelings and emotions do not come from the Lord. God has something better for you than that. Paul told Timothy, the better that God has for you is a sound mind, a healthy mind. That's the will of God for your life and for mine. Repeatedly in Scripture, we are given the command, fear not. How many of you have read those commands in Scripture? Let me see your hand. Over and over. I haven't counted them, but I've heard that there are 365 times that there's a command in Scripture to not be afraid, one for every day. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't counted that, but that sounds nice. What we do know is that hundreds of times the Scripture tells us to not be afraid. It can often be a matter of focus. See, everybody in this room, when you walked in here today, if you're a Bible reader, you're a Christ follower, you already knew that we serve a great God. How many of you knew that before you came to church today, that we serve a great God? You already knew that. How many of you know that we serve a great God, yet you still get anxious? (laughs) So the issue oftentimes in our lives is what are we focused on? And it's amazing how great the circumstance might be, how great the uncertainty is in our life, how great the problem is, how great the question of the future might be. But when you compare it to the greatness of God, it pales, doesn't it, in comparison. When you compare whatever it is you're struggling with, with anxiety, to the greatness of God, you realize, wow, compared to God, it's really kind of a small thing. Years ago, there was some issues in our church, and Linda and I and our family, there was some death threats against Linda and I and our in our family. And there were some harsh things that were said and things that were intended to cause fear uh, in our hearts. And our church board got together. We're trying to, to uh, you know, figure out what to do and contact law enforcement. And we ended up, the church board decided to end up hired some armed security for our service. They were plain clothes. Uh, people in the church didn't know who they were, but they were armed and trained and ready to bring, bring protection should, should it be. And I knew these guys were coming to the service and I, I didn't know, you know, who they were. And I was sitting on the front row. I've always sat on the front row. And, you know, this is in the back of my mind. I'm trying to worship Jesus here. And we're in the first song, and I got my hands up, and I feel a hand on my shoulder. And I, you know, I'm like, like turning around. Like, you know, don't make, don't make me break all that out. Right. And I looked behind me, and there was a guy, I'm six foot two, and there was a guy, he must have been six, 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 seven. It was a big dude behind me. And he put his, and, I, he, and he kind of leaned in, he wanted to say something to me, and he just put his hand on his shoulder and said in my ear, he said, Buster, I just want you to know I got your back. <laughs> he was one of the guys, and I was like, oh, hallelujah, praise God. We're, Woo! You know, we're, 
We're having church today. We, I can forget about it and worship, worship God. What assurance can fill our hearts and our minds? What peace that we can obtain when we realize the Lord stands at our side. That, that is a big dude behind me. But the truth is the Lord was standing at my side. And no matter what's causing your heart to be anxious today, I want to remind you the Lord is standing by your side. No matter what's causing you to be afraid or to be worried, no matter what you're thinking about your children, what's causing you to stay awake at night or your finances or your health, I have to remind you that the Lord is standing by your side. He is standing by our side. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, I read the Bible. I want to encourage you to do that. I read the Bible. And what I've discovered is that the God I serve is a protector. I can trust him to watch over my family. The God I serve is a healer. I can trust him with my physical health. The God I serve is a financial provider. I can trust him to meet my financial needs. The God I serve promises to guide and direct my steps so I can trust him with tomorrow and I can trust him to guide my future. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Corey Ten Boom once said, never be afraid to trust a known God with an unknown future. So let me give you some tools for your tool belt today. First, if you're taking notes, worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. I like to think of the Old Testament story of the Israelites as they're coming in to the promised land. Led by Joshua, their new leader. Moses is dead. Joshua's the new leader. They crossed the Jordan River by God's miraculous power and they are now into this promised land and they are told that God is going to give them this land. They're going to conquer this land. They have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They are not a mighty army. But obeying God's command, they march in and the first opposition they face is the community of Jericho, the city of Jericho. And the Lord speaks to Joshua and he gives Joshua a very unusual battle plan. He doesn't talk about swords. He doesn't talk about bows and arrows. He doesn't talk about artillery. He doesn't talk about combat. He doesn't talk about any of those things. He says to them, he says, for seven days, I want you to march around the walls. And I can imagine the people are thinking, this is the weirdest battle plan we have ever heard in our lives. As we've read through history, we have never seen another army use this approach before. And so they're marching in obedience to God's command. No doubt they are marching with fear in their hearts. They are marching with anxiety. They are marching with hearts pounding in their chest. Remember Numbers chapter 13 when Joshua or Moses sent spies. Remember the 12 spies that went in? Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report, but the 10 spies says, there's no way we can go against them. They are giants in the land. In comparison, we're like grasshoppers. There's no way we could go against them. Maybe that was still in the back of the minds of the people and they are marching around the walls. God gives them this unusual battle plan, but the Lord tells them they're to march for seven days straight. And on the last day, on the last day, they do something different. God says this, on the last day, as you march around the walls of the city, I want you to worship. I want you to sing. I want you to yell. I want you to praise God. I want you to blow the trumpets. I want you to praise I want you to play the instruments. Worship was the battle plan. Worship was the battle plan. And the Israelites would scream and shout and praise God and worship and play their instruments. You know, many times after a victory, the uh, Israelites would sing and praise and worship God. For example, Exodus chapter 15, after they crossed the Red Sea, you read that story by miraculous power. Exodus chapter 15 is Miriam with her tambourine and it's a whole, the whole chapter is a song, a praise to God. They're worshiping and praising God after the victory. And that's the story of many of our lives. How many of you have ever worshiped God 
after a victory. How many of you praise God after he answered prayer? After God came through, you didn't know what God was going to do. You didn't know how he did it, but somehow God was with you and he gave you a testimony. And after God did it, you praise God, you sang a song, you worshiped the Lord. But in this case, God would tell the people to worship before they saw the victory. Not after the victory, but before they saw the victory. And as they worshiped God, the walls fell down. Sometimes, sometimes we worship because we've had a victory, but sometimes we worship until we see a victory. Can I say that again? Sometimes we worship after a victory, but sometimes we worship until we see a victory. And that's why we sing in this house sometimes, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies, louder than my unbelief, my weapon is a melody. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm here to tell you, if you're battling anxiety today, worship is a weapon. Psalm chapter 22, verse 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? What does that mean? That word inhabits means that God rests in, sits upon, dwells within He's, when his people sing and worship and praise and exalt him, God shows up in power. Now, God is always there, right? He's always with us. The psalmist said, where can I go and be away from the presence of God? God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. But I believe this verse of Scripture talks about a manifest presence of God, that God shows up and shows out in extraordinary ways, and we experience his presence and his power in ways that we had not when we worship him, when we praise God, God is present. And if you are facing anxiety today, you don't have to accept it as an ongoing reality. Worship is a weapon. I believe you just need to use it. Can I ask you today, do you know how to worship? You know how to worship? Everybody know how to worship? Say, well, I don't know, Pastor. Can you put on a song? Just put on a song and sing along. You can worship without a song too, by the way. You don't, you don't have to have a song. You can just throw up your hands. You know, I was reading a Bible verse this week. I'm having a good time this morning, everybody. You, you, you all right? You all right out there? I was reading a, a scripture this week, and it said, Men ought to always praise God with lifted with holy hands. And you know the, the key word that I saw in that verse? Men. Now, that doesn't mean the women can't lift their hands and worship God, but I think he's calling out the men. Where are the men at, everybody? Any men in the house? Come on. Have you proud to be a man? I'm glad I'm a man. I'm glad I'm not a woman. Are you glad you're a man? <laughs> praise God. Men everywhere. Come on. The men ought to lift their hands. Men ought to praise God. Let's lead our families in praise and worship. Men ought to praise God with holy hands. Worship makes a difference. Worship makes a difference. Second, giving you some tools for your tool belt today. Praise or prayer and gratitude will guard your hearts. Notice that word guard. Prayer and gratitude will guard your heart. Prayer makes a difference. As I face my circumstances, I have at times felt like I had few options and few resources. I didn't know what to do. You ever had a time you didn't know what to do? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know. God, if you, know, if you don't come through, God, what are we going to do? I may not have a lot of options, but I can always pray. I might not have enough money, but I can always pray. I might not always have enough friends, but I can always pray. I might not have a good doctor's report, but I can always pray. No matter where you are, we can always pray. Prayer makes a difference. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Delivered me, can we just say, from all my anxiety. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7, notice this, do not be anxious about anything. I like the next few words. But in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, notice these words, what, is, what does it say? It will guard, it will guard your hearts and your minds. Talk about our mental and emotional health. 
I wrote in my notes, is this an impossible command? You know, just to, to interact honestly with the scripture. When the Bible tells me, do not be anxious about anything, I'm like, Lord, that sounds good, but that's a little hard to do. Don't be anxious about anything. But thank God he doesn't just stop there. Thank, thank God there's not a period after the, after the word anything. Just like it's just some thrown out command. I don't know how we're supposed to do that, but God, no, he tells us how. He says in every situation, bring that thing that's causing you to, to feel anxious, bring it to God. Prayer and petition, that means to tell him exactly what it is, but, but do so with thanksgiving. We always come to God with gratitude. There is a command here and a promise. A command and a promise. A command and a promise. The command is that we are to bring it to God. The promise is that there will be an exchange. The exchange is that God will take that thing that's causing us to be anxious. And the peace of God, which goes beyond understanding. I love that phrase. You ever faced a time where you just, just don't understand? Why did my loved one have to pass away? I mean, God, if you can heal the sick, why didn't you heal him? Why did I have to lose my job? Why did the doctor's report have to come back that way? Why are my kids just freaking out? Like, why? Like, the peace of God that goes beyond understanding. When you don't understand, you cannot understand. There is a peace that comes from God. This is supernatural. And he says it will guard, it will protect your heart and your mind. Is this an impossible command? We have to ask yourself the question, where was Paul when he wrote these words? Paul was in a Roman prison. Paul was chained to guards. This is a prison letter. This is a prison epistle. Paul is chained to a guard. He's writing these words. And in his letter, he has no complaints. Or we could say, maybe he did have a lot of things to complain about, but he doesn't mention them. Paul's future was a dark mystery. He did not know if he would get out of jail or not. His fate, his life was in the hands of Nero, a bloodthirsty tyrant. But Paul never mentions that fact. But he said, I, I've come to recognize that even though I'm in a dark, damp prison with my future being uncertain, I've discovered there's a peace of God that can invade a dark place. There's a peace of God that can find us in a dark place. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a dark place. Maybe you've been in a dark place for a while. I think this morning something supernatural can happen in your heart and your mind where the peace of God invades that dark place in your heart, that place that you've been afraid, that place that's caused you anxiety, that place that's caused you paralysis and you've been unable to move forward in your life. A peace of God that can guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And this word guard is a military term. It's referring to a soldier standing sentry. A, so a soldier standing there to guard and to protect your heart and your mind. It's a promise from the Word of God. Third, here's what we do when we're anxious. We remember God's promises and His past faithfulness. We remember God's promises and His past faithfulness. It's here that making a list will help. And here's what I want you to do. Here's your homework. I want you to take your phone and I want you to do this on your phone. I don't want you to do this on a piece of paper because if you have it on your phone, you have it everywhere you go. Don't leave home without it. <laughs> and on your phone is an app. I have an iPhone. I don't know what you have. Oh, you Android, whatever. Um, there's a note application on your phone. And I want you to open that note application and I want you to make two lists on your phone. One is, I want you to list the promises of God. The second, I want you to list God's past faithfulness in your life. Because you're going to have to go back to these two lists over and over again. And you might have to go back to Scripture and say, what has God promised? I want you to put down the promise. He's promised He would never leave me or forsake me. 
He, he's promised, lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end. He's promised, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Over and over, the promises of God. I want you to make a list so that when that anxiety comes back for you, you can go back and say, I know what I feel, but I know here's what the word of God says. So I'm going to talk to my feelings. I know what I'm feeling right now. I know that very familiar feeling of anxiety, but here's what the word of God says, and I'm going to stand upon the truth of God's word. Amen. The second list is God's past faithfulness to you. This is where you put on your notepad, what has God done in your life? What prayers has God answered? Where has he showed up? Where has God been faithful in your life? Just You may talk about it as a family. Let's remember, what has God done? You make a list. By the way, this is biblical to do this. To make a list and to remember what the Lord has done. Because when you feel anxious, you can pull up your phone. Got it, got it with us at wherever we go, 24-7. Pull it out. Maybe you're awake 2 o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep. And you got your phone on the nightstand. You pull it out. I'm going to remember what the Lord has done. I'm going to be reminded. God answered prayer. God showed up. God provided. God saved my kids. God healed my body. God encouraged me when I was discouraged. You're going to, and you know what? The peace of God is going to fill your soul and you're going to be able to go back. To, I'm just trying to help you this morning. Psalm 77, verse 11 and 12. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate. That means think about all your mighty deeds. That'll help us in anxiety. Finally, as the worship team comes, finally. One more, and I want you to hear this. This is really important. We talked about worship is a weapon. We talked about remembering God's past and faithful, his promises and his, the things that the Lord has done for us. This is important. I want you to assemble an army to fight with you. A soldier that fights alone is vulnerable. You need an army. You need somebody in your corner. You need somebody that's with you. Can I tell you this? It is not God's will for you to fight alone. And I don't know why it is in this country, and maybe it is even in the church, that there is a sense of shame that comes along, comes alongside or at least perceived shame that comes alongside emotional health issues. And we feel guilty. We feel like, why, why am I not stronger? I mean, look at everybody else in the church. They all seem like they got it all together. Did you know the people lifting their hands, worshiping right beside you? You don't know what they're facing. Don't assume they got it all together. Maybe they're just worshiping as a weapon, right? And we, and we carry this kind of stigma that goes along with mental and emotional health. If you are consistently struggling with anxiety, it's time for you to reach out for help. You need somebody to fight with you. You need somebody to join you in the battle, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that can pray with you, somebody that can encourage you. But here's what's going to happen, and maybe it's happening even right now. You're going to hear a voice speak to you to tell you that you should not tell anyone what's really going on. You're going to hear that voice. And that voice is the enemy. And the enemy lies. The enemy lies. And some of you have heard the voice of the enemy that would say, if people really knew, what would they think of me? If they knew what I was battling, they'd think less of me. But here's the truth. That's the lie. The truth is that when we open up and we are vulnerable and we are honest, people identify with us because they're struggling too. And what happens, what happens is, oh, hear me this morning, friends, this is the truth. What, what happens is people don't think less of you. They think more of you. I started this sermon by talking to you about the anxiety I battled in my life. It's the first time in three years I've ever told you that. Do you think less of me for telling you that? My guess is you were a little surprised. And you're like, mm, wow, pastor's got anxiety too. Maybe I'm okay. The enemy wants you to keep it silent because the enemy knows if he can keep you isolated, that he'll, he'll keep you trapped. Listen to these words. Healing comes in community. Healing happens in community. I'm so excited. In January, God willing, you pray with me. In January, God willing, we are starting 40 life groups here at Pacific Christian. God willing, 
That's, that's our goal. Let's give God praise for that in advance. I believe it in advance. 40, 40, 40 life groups. My prayer is for over 300 people to be in, connected in community with one another. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Healing happens in community. We can come to church for years, walk in this building, walk out of this building, not know anybody's name. Just think of church as an event, but church is not an event. Church is a community. Church is a family. Church is the people that share life together. And you need somebody in your corner and you need to be in somebody else's corner as well. Healing's found in community. So today, if you're battling with anxiety in a chronic way, you should talk to your family. You should find a few trusted, godly friends that you can invite. You don't have to tell everybody. But invite a few people that you know will pray with you and stand with you encourage you. Maybe you need to come talk with one of our counselors. We have three wonderful biblical counselors here at the church. In front of you, in fact, in the back of the seat, there is a brochure about our counseling ministry. You can call our office during the week and you can set up an appointment for confidential counseling. What I want to tell you is these counselors do not come and tell me what happens in their sessions. You need a safe place where there's a trusted friend and a confidant where you can share anything. It's hard. Several times throughout my life, I've gone to counseling myself. Linda and I have gone to marriage counseling. You need somebody in your corner. You need somebody to talk to, somebody to encourage you, somebody to be there. We want to provide this resource for you as a church. As we close, let me remind you of this. I want you to lean in, final words. Anxiety is a false prophet. Anxiety is a false prophet. Anxiety is talking to you about tomorrow. Anxiety is provoking questions and uncertainty about tomorrow. What if and how can we and what will we if that happens? Most of the time it never even happens. But that's what anxiety says. Anxiety is a false prophet. It offers false solutions. It makes false predictions. It leaves us with open-ended questions. But I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He goes on to say, don't be anxious about what you will eat or what you will wear. He says, doesn't God take care of the little birds? Doesn't God take care of the flowers in the field? He says, if God is so mindful that he can take, think about how many millions, maybe billions or more. I don't know how many birds are there. There's a lot in my neighborhood. I don't know there's a lot of birds. If God can take care of these birds, he says, how much more valuable are you than a bird? If God can take care of them, how much more will he take care of you? So here's the question today. What is it that is causing you to be anxious? I want you to think about it right now. What's causing you to be anxious? Everybody have it in your mind? Let me see your hand if you have it in your mind. Let me see your hand. What's causing you to be anxious? You got it in your mind? Here's the question. Can you trust Jesus with it? Will you trust Jesus with it? That's the question today. Let's trust him. Let's trust him. Anxiety is an opportunity to trust God, to lean on him, and surely if God loves us enough to send his son Jesus to die a humiliating, awful death on a cross, if, if God loves us enough to do that, surely we can trust God with our bills, with our spouses, with our future, with our families. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for be willing to do that today. Give God a chance with your fear, with your worry, your anxiety. Just trust him with it. Maybe you need to boldly just declare it today. Lord, I'm going to trust you with it. In Jesus' name. Would you stand, everybody? Would you stand? I hope the word of God has helped you today. Hope the word of God has encouraged you. Our heads bowed all over this room today. Would you bow your heads out of reverence? Hold steady. Just hold steady for a moment. No one looking around. I want to pray for you today. How many of you today with heads bowed would be courageous to lift your hand? And by lifting your hand, you're saying, Pastor Lauren, I needed to hear this word today. Is that you? Would you lift your hand? 
Carry your hand. Lift your hand. I needed to hear this word today. There are hands lifted all over this room. All over this room. My, my hand today too. Why don't you put that other hand up now. Let's lift our hands to the Lord all over this room. Right now, right where you're standing, I want you to, in your heart, your mind, you don't even have to say it out loud, but I want you to say, Jesus, I trust you with whatever it is, whatever it's causing you to be anxious. Today, I know that's a step of faith for us, but that's where growth happens. We take steps of faith for the Lord. So I want you just to give it to the Lord right now. In your own heart, in your own mind, Lord, with hands lifted, I choose to trust you with this thing that's causing me to be anxious. I trust you. Father, I put my children in your hands. I put my children in your hands. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. You're more than able, God, to take care of my family. You're able to do what I cannot do. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we present our request to God. We believe, Lord, according to your word, that the peace of God that transcends all understanding is going to guard our hearts and our minds. Today, I pray for peace and hope and healing and troubled hearts and troubled minds in this room. As we give you, Lord, our worries and our anxieties, we give it to you. Let there be a great exchange that happens today. Guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let the peace of God, as the Bible says, let the peace of God rule our hearts. Let the peace of God rule in our minds. Let it be in charge. Let it be in control. Help us to cast out every lie of the enemy. We cast it out in Jesus' name. We take every thought captive and make it obedience to the Word of God. Today, Lord, let your peace fill our hearts and our minds so that we can be healthy in every way, even emotionally healthy, so that we can be the people you have us to be and do what you've asked us to do. There's a purpose on our lives, Lord. There's a calling. There's a mission for us to accomplish with the things of God. We need to be healthy to do that. So God, give us emotional health, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Once again, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Special thanks to those of you who give so generously to make this ministry possible. If God has put it on your heart to give, please visit our website at pacificchristian.net. And if you enjoyed today's message, please consider subscribing, sharing with your friends on social media, and giving us a rating in iTunes. This will enable us to expand our reach and share the message of Christ with more people. Until next time, God bless you.